Ride the Vibes, a refreshing, fun, and informative experience. Join Stephen Winnie on VoiceTube Studios. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ride the Vibes. This is your host Steve. And this is Winnie. All right, today's topic is going to be childhood in the East versus the West. Mm-hmm. Childhood in the East versus the West, and we'll be sharing our experiences. As well as talking about differences in school life, bullying and the pressure to fit in, and what you do in your free time as a kid. So Steve, I studied in Canada and also I studied in Taiwan, but I want to know your, uh, a little bit about your school life when you were in the States. Yeah, um, my school life was pretty typical for, an, I think, an American student. I mm-hmm. went through public school. Mm-hmm. Um, so public school tends to be a little bit more relaxed in terms of like uh, the uniform and stuff. Like there's no, um, there's no real guideline to the clothes you have to wear or there's no school uniforms, which I think is pretty different than Taiwan. Yeah, um, in Taiwan, all the, all the schools, uh, starting from even kindergarten, preschool, elementary school, all the way to uh, high school, we do have uniforms. And a lot of people are very, very proud of it, I have to say, um, because it represents the school. But I think in recent years, well, I've seen news about how, um, because girls are forced to wear skirts or dresses, right? So yeah. a lot of people are saying, you know, how they, they don't want to wear dresses, they don't want to wear the skirts. So uh, there's sort of like a movement in this. It's kind of funny you say that because when I was teaching in Korea, mm-hmm. um, my students had um, uniforms. And one of my girls was a teenager. She was mm-hmm. like, I think, 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. She said that. She's like, she's like, I hate the school uniforms. They're totally better for the boys. The boys get to wear long pants in winter mm-hmm. and shorts and T-shirts in summer. But no matter what part of the year, I have to wear a skirt, even when it's like freezing cold and snowing outside. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of doesn't make any sense. And I mean, um, the uniforms for the guys are usually more comfortable. Yeah, I think unfortunately life tends to work that way with clothing. Like men's clothing is oftentimes more just more relaxed and more comf- more cozy, I think. But I think moving away from uniforms a little bit, um, I found that the teaching style might be a little different than what I've experienced as a teacher in Asia. Like mm-hmm. in the West, we have a big focus on stuff like arts, um, individuality, and mm-hmm. athletics. Mm-hmm. So kids are often their parents like them to play sports after school, or their parents like them to pursue different arts like painting or mm-hmm. music or some kind of like extracurricular activity that might not be related so much to academics. Yeah, well, in Taiwan, we focus more on academics and uh, extracurricular activities or sports or or arts. It's not encouraged and sometimes even frowned upon uh, because the teachers or your parents may think that um, if you do that, you're not going to be able to focus on your schoolwork and you're basically useless if you're not doing well with schoolwork. I see, but I do notice that a lot of kids in Taiwan learn the piano. Mm-hmm. Piano is considered like a talent that everybody should learn. Yeah. Whenever I think of the piano in terms of music, I always Mm -hmm. think of it as kind of like the intellectual instrument. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of it's like classical. It's very influential in classical music. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of associated with kind of brainy people or intelligence. Yeah, it it, it kind of represents that. But um, in in terms of other other things like uh, maybe playing the basketball, playing table tennis or playing volleyball, um, I think sometimes it's not encouraged. Well, sports may be a little bit better, but if you're in a dance club or if you're in a, like, not a choir, but like a singing club, you know, mm-hmm. like a pop song club, it's usually frowned upon. Okay. And does that remain until, like, high school or university? When does it become more acceptable to follow your own um, desires with pursuing art? 
I think in high school, but mainly in public schools. If you're in a private school, uh, well, I was in a private school. So um, they, they don't really encourage us to uh, join clubs and stuff because they think it's going to bring down your grades. Um, take myself and my sister, for example. Um, when I was younger in elementary school, I used to love playing the table tennis. Um, I, was in, I was in a school team, and my dad just refuses me to uh, keep learning. Um, they were going to make me like a professional athlete for, uh, for table tennis, but I, I, didn't, I didn't keep playing. And for my sister, she's very artsy. She, um, she's, really, she's really good in um, painting and stuff, but my dad refuses, refuses to let her keep learning. Okay. See, I think in the West, we view arts as sort of a way to round out your intelligence, mm-hmm. to give you more cultural sensitivity or kind of um, give you an appreciation for life, as well as a chance to maybe find different talents, something you might be good at. Like for me, I was always really, really bad at math, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I really always wanted to be in science a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of hurt me being so bad at math. Mm-hmm. But um Getting to explore the arts, you know, I got to play music. Um, I got to become a writer, write poetry, and that mm-hmm. stuff was really amazing. But as a kid, I was always pushed into sports. My dad made me do, well, he didn't really make me do all of it, but he pushed me towards soccer, basketball, kickboxing, and track. So mm-hmm. I did all of those sports from elementary to middle school. Yeah, my, well, my parents, they didn't really want me to do sports because they think that it's not good for girls to do sports because they make you uh, muscular, something like that. <laughs> it, it's kind of weird how they have this kind of you know perception. And I think for Asians, this is like the Asian mentality. They would think that if you do sports or if you um, you know do arts and stuff, uh, it doesn't help with making money. Yeah, that can certainly be true in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I think is vastly different um, that I'd like to talk about is the length of the day and what you do after school in terms Mm -hmm. of academics. So in the West, we typically go to school for a standard, you know, six to seven or eight hours, Mm -hmm. maybe from like seven in the morning until like two thirty. And then generally kids are free. They might have their they might go to their sports team or do their art stuff or go to a club. But some some of them just go home. Well, in Taiwan, we uh, we go to school at about 7.30, but I think the first class starts at 8 or something, and then we usually finish our school day at about 5. And then after that, if you don't have to go to Bushiban, a Bushiban is a cram school, then you can maybe, um, you know, learn some sort of, like, you, you, uh, some, someone can learn piano, you can learn uh, violin, or you can play sports. But most people go to Bushiban. Yeah, I just want to emphasize, in Asia, it's very common we have these things called cram schools. Korea, they're called hagwans. Uh, Taiwan, they're called bushibans. And essentially what they are is after the student finishes school, they will go to a private-run school where they will get extra practice with their homework or they will study something like English or math. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say, um, I think most Asian students, they don't really have a lot of free time to do anything after school. Because with Bushiban, um, you know, we already have homework from school, right? Mm -hmm. And then you also get homework from Bushiban. So basically, you just have endless homework, homework after homework. Right, yeah. When my students in Korea told me about their their day, it sounded really miserable, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Like They woke up at 6, they went to school. And then they went to the cram school until maybe like 8 to 10 o'clock. Like some of these cram schools run until 
10 at night. And I think in the old days, they used to run until midnight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was in junior high school, I always get off um, the uh, the cram school at, at about 10. And then, uh, you know, it's like it's already pretty late for a junior high school student. And then when you go home, you do have to, uh, you know, you have to shower and then you got to pack up for, you know, the next day and you got to wash your uh, lunchbox and stuff. So basically, we can't really go to bed until like after 12 or something. And then the next day we have to wake up at six. Yeah, it's a really it sounds it sounds like a really hard life. Like mm-hmm. the way my Korean students made it sound, they had to choose between um, doing something they wanted to do, like watch anime or sleep. <laughs> it was yeah. Like- yeah, that's kind of true. And um, I think this is not really a good thing because with with this type of schedule, I don't think students have time to interact with other people. And this is a huge problem. Well, what about your parents? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking in that school day, it doesn't sound like you have time to even really see your family. Yeah, that's that's actually the case um, because everyone is just so busy. I mean, they're at work and uh, I'm at school and then I go to cram school. I didn't really get to talk a lot to uh, to my dad and my mom. So I think that's a that's also a huge problem because they don't really get to know you. I so see. they don't know what you want, they don't know what you like. They're sort of just forcing you into doing the things that you don't want to do because they they don't get to talk to you. So they don't know what you like. Yeah, I would say the word I would the word I always use to describe education in Asia is it's a very uh, it's discipline. It's very mm-hmm. it's a complete you're supposed to master discipline by the time you're kind of a teenager. You know, I think uh, one of the biggest problems uh, that's coming out from this situation is that, you know, when you're not interacting with people, you kind of don't know how to be uh, uh, a a human being with proper matters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's kind of a stereotype that Asians um, are a little bit um, worse at socializing or a little Mm -hmm. more awkward with that. And like um, they tend to you live with their parents longer. They tend to start relationships a little bit later than maybe Mm -hmm. other cultures. So I I hesitate to say much about this Mm -hmm. because I don't really know and I don't want to overstep. I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. So maybe Mm -hmm. I'll leave this one to you. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, sometimes I feel like um, there are simple things that people really should know at their age, maybe in their 20s or maybe when they're still a teenager. But I feel like because they're so overly protected, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because um, th- uh, the parents really want them to focus on schoolwork, so everything is done for them. So sometimes I feel like there's a there's a big problem with um, you know their daily lives and how they talk to people and how they interact. Yeah, because actually as a kid I had to clean the house a lot. My dad mm-hmm. always made me if I wanted something like I say I wanted a new video game, you know he'd mm-hmm. always make me clean the house for you know an indefinite amount of time. Could be two days, could be three weeks to get what I wanted. And he definitely taught me to work hard. Mm-hmm. But also that um, you do need to relax and have free time as well. Yeah, well, uh, that's not the case for my sister. My sister is actually an example of someone who doesn't really know how to interact and who doesn't really know how to take care of herself. That's why this year I asked her to go back to Canada. You know, she's living there alone with the homestay family. So hopefully things are going to get better. All right, that's pretty interesting, actually, and that's cool that your sister lives in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk, let's go on a little bit and change the subject to bullying and peer pressure or pressure to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, in the West, it can be really hard to deal with the pressure of school because we're almost too individual where mm-hmm. you start kind of like putting people into categories. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are the nerds and you guys are the jocks and you guys are the, you know, the geeks. And people always, we have kind of what's called cliques, groups mm-hmm. of people that work together, but they sort of outcast everyone else. Yeah, I think we have people like that, but mainly girls. 
The boys don't do that so much? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, the boys are just, there's you know, during recess time, they just go play basketball and stuff or dodgeball. So I think the guys are usually nice. Okay. In the West, I've, I mean, I can't really say how bad the girls do it. I think they have their own system. Mm-hmm. But as be, as being a guy growing up and hanging out with, you know, boys in elementary and middle school, it can be very hard because, like, it seems like when you're that age, you're really obsessed with all the new trends. Yeah. So I remember it was really ridiculous in middle school. Um, I just pretended like I hated like all the music that I grew up listening to for mm-hmm. the last 10 years. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to rap music. And I just like took my binder that had my all my books and stuff in mm-hmm. and I wrote the names of all these rappers on it. And mm-hmm. I was like, rock and roll is bad. Jazz is bad. I like rap. Yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, everyone in their in their teenage years, everyone's just trying to fit in. So I think the same thing is happening in, in you know, Asian countries as well. Because you want to try to uh, fit in and but I think the biggest problem for for people who can't really fit in um, is they probably don't have the money to do it because trends meaning that you might have to spend a lot of money on buying new clothes, buying, you know, um, the, the hottest shoes or something or maybe uh, phones. Because at that time when I was in junior high school, that's when the first iPhone came up. Okay, wow, that's a totally different experience than I had. Um, as, a, as a kid, I don't really think I ever worried about money because, you know, for me at that time, being in elementary school, it was really all about Pokemon, to mm-hmm. be honest. Like, it was Pokemon cards, it was Pokemon the video game. Mm-hmm. And as long as you were, like, into that or you were into sports, like, it felt like you could pretty much talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my time was a little bit harder because, you know, the the tech, uh, because of iPhones and stuff. And I don't really have money to buy an iPhone so, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that happens. So I think that can definitely be a massive pressure for people. And I think I'm just fortunate that I, I mean, I'm not going to say I've never felt that because I've definitely I've had someone make fun of my shoes before because mm-hmm. I wasn't wearing like Nike or something. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm lucky that I think I had my group of friends was not really um, focused on that so much. But what mm-hmm. I do remember, and this is probably completely different in, than Asia, is in the West there's sometimes boys that think it's cool to do bad at school. Like, we Mm -hmm. think it's really cool to, like, fail a class or to, like, get a D or something. And if you get an A, you're, like, this nerd that's, like, you know, too academic and you're not one of the cool kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, well, I think it's kind of the same in in Taiwan. But, you know, for for the smart kids, they're still doing pretty well, um, you know, with their grades. But I think um, a lot of the guys, they do like to, uh, you know, do stuff to get girls' attention or get the teacher's attention. Yeah, I just remember it was really weird because someone would be like, yes, I got a 40 on this test. And Mm -hmm. they'd be like kind of like a badge of honor. Whereas like I did that, I was into that for like one year. Then I realized I was like, this is just really stupid. And this is definitely not the route I should be going. Yeah, that's definitely true. I don't think the girls did that so much. Yeah, not the girls. I mean, the girls, they're just like, what they do is just, you know, they're just mean. And then that's how they get their attention. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I've always... Girls have their own little hierarchy and way mm-hmm. of doing things. But um, I guess, like, talking about peer pressure, I'll tell you one story, just because this one's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the one time I was bullied, I wasn't bullied very much, just because I was usually very relaxed, and I, can, I tend to not really rub people the wrong way, mm-hmm. especially in school. Um, and But there was one time where I, my mom was very religious. She was Catholic, and my dad's mm-hmm. atheist. He strongly will tell anyone that there's no God. Mm-hmm. And so my mom made me go to this camp, and I came back with this shirt. And the shirt had this 
kind of cheesy picture of these kids playing and it said, be courageous. God's love is contagious. Mm -hmm. And I almost never wore this shirt, but there was one day where I was late for the bus and I just grabbed the first shirt I could out of my dresser. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it was that shirt. Mm -hmm. And one of the boys in fifth grade kept making fun of my shirt. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I'm like, stop, man, stop. Like, I'm just, I don't want to hear about this. I didn't mean to put the shirt on. Mm-hmm. But he kept going. He's like, ha, 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 look at your shirt. Why does it say that? You're a loser. And so eventually I just told him, I'm like, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to punch you. He kept going. And then I just went, wham, I punched him right in the face. You know, I, I think it's very important that you try to communicate. But sometimes when they're, you know, when they're crossing the line and when they're, when you know, when they're not listening and when you go to a teacher they don't really um they don't really care sometimes you got to do that well sometimes too if you go to a teacher they they're going to call you like kind of like a crybaby or someone mm-hmm. who's too weak to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and i didn't punch this kid so hard that it doesn't make his nose bleed or anything mm-hmm. it was just a little warning punch yeah like a little warning but i wouldn't like that. say that's necessarily the best way you mm-hmm. can handle your problems but there might be a situation where something like that does have to happen unfortunately yeah well sometimes you have to but try not to right, right try right. not to um, well, I think um, in this century, well, not this century, but in the past two decades or something, let's say cyberbullying is a very, very big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any experience in cyberbullying? No, honestly, I didn't even have a computer until I was in third or fourth grade. So I'm going to leave this one to you more. Yeah, well, I do have to say my time is really hard. So um, oh, I did mention about the uh, the iPhone, right? And then um, in high school is when, uh, well, when I was in high school, that's when Facebook started to rise. And, you know, at that time, if you don't have a Facebook, you're basically like a caveman. And then, you know, Facebook, you can post anything and people give you likes. And sometimes if you don't get that many likes, it feels like you're being bullied. And then sometimes people leave mean comments. And then so many people leaving mean comments. It just makes you feel, uh, you know, desperate. Yeah, I've certainly heard about these stories on the news, and it is really tragic because it's sort of a way that kids can bully someone and still feel a little bit anonymous. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really dangerous when that's the dangerous idea of cyberbullying is that when you're doing it, you're not directly doing it to someone. Mm -hmm. So you might not have as much connection with what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so scary about it. Yeah, I think um, a lot of celebrities, especially YouTubers, because they do get a lot of mean comments and stuff. And I think people are starting to stand up and starting to um, raise awareness when it comes to cyberbullying. So I think it's a little bit better these these days. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, how, how was your experience in school with bullying? Did you experience it? or? Well, um, you know, it was it was a full circle for me. I've, um, I've been a bully when I was in elementary school. And then um, <laughs> in, in junior high school, I was sort of like this outsider. Um, I was like sleeping all the time. I have no idea why I was so tired. Um, because back in elementary school, I was really skinny and um, very athletic. Like I said, I used to play um, in the table tennis team. And then uh, I run super fast. So I'm kind of like the popular kind of kid. So I kind of bullied people. And then um, back in high school, because, you know, Facebook and iPhone and all those clicks with the queen bees, the girls and stuff, I got bullied. And then um, in my senior year in high school, um, I started focus. I started to focus on myself, and I started to learn more things, and then tried to uh, you know boost myself, trying to become a better person. Like I tried to create a better future for myself and just leave all that stuff behind me. And uh, so in in college, I became the popular kid. So it's a full cycle. 
Yeah, that's actually really, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say it's cool, but you got to experience both sides of it, so it gave mm. you more perspective, whereas someone who's only experienced one side might not have that. Yeah, and it certainly taught me that bullying is not good, and um, it's very important that you give back to others, because when I was being bullied, uh, there was a lot of people um, you know, who came to me and helped. So I think it's very important that I give back to uh, you know the people around me. So whenever if some whenever someone comes up to me, I would I would just definitely listen to them and try my best to help them. So yeah, that's my experience uh, with uh, bullying. So why don't we move on to our final section where we want to talk about uh, free time? All right. Well, I mean, um, my free time. This is like the my childhood was I I think pretty good. I mean, I had a lot of free time and I lived in a place with a ton of nature. So. I spent a lot of my days, you know, outside and wandering around the woods, exploring the areas mm-hmm. around my house, which seemed really, really big back then. Of course, not so big when you grow up, but they seemed like these crazy, like, um, big places, like with the frog ponds and mm-hmm. the, the woods around my house. And, you know, there's even a little waterfall in my city. So they, these wow. places just seem massive as a kid. It sounds like you're living in a forest. <laughs> it really sounds like you're a frog pond. Well, I come from a, I come from Portland, Maine, which is a small city of 70,000 people in the Northeast U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we have nature all around us. Our city is quite small. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the suburbs, which meant like basically plots of houses right next mm-hmm. to each other. I didn't mm-hmm. really grow up in a city area per se. And so, yeah, there's tons of nature all around us. And we are that kind of city where you have the ocean on one side and just massive, basically endless forest on the other side of you. Oh, that makes me very jealous. Well, um... Well, since I grew up in uh, Canada and also Taiwan, I spent a little bit of time um, in in both countries. So I can talk about my experience in Taiwan first. Uh, When it comes to free time, there ain't no free time. There's no free time uh, because, like I said, after school, I go to cram school. And, um, you know, I usually don't really get to spend time with friends. And like I said, growing up, I didn't really have a a lot of allowance. So it's kind of harder for me to hang out with friends. Because, mm-hmm. you, you you know, when you're hanging out with friends, well, in Taiwan, the, the thing you can do is probably just watch movies or, or, or sing karaoke's or, or um, have meals with your friends. But when I was in Canada, I have to say, it was, you know, the happiest time of my life. Um, so in our neighborhood, well, we live in an apartment, but it's like a community. And then you have, uh, you, know, you know, you have like a massive, you wouldn't say massive, but it's a big land and you can ride your bike and you can do your uh, roller rollerblades and then you have your scooter and we, we can play water gun and stuff. And I used to climb a lot of trees. So it was a very, very happy time. Yeah. North America tends to be very outdoorsy in general. Mm-hmm. But um, I think on the flip side of that, like I don't want to make it sound like I was completely this rugged outdoors kid because I did love video games a lot. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of my childhood with stuff like the Super Nintendo and original PlayStation and mm-hmm. N64. And I played a ton of Pokemon outside on the Game Boy. So that would it would have been very common for me to have my little Game Boy with me when I went outside. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's not the case for me. Uh, but my dad did uh, buy me an... Uh, well, yeah, yeah, like a Game Boy or something. Oh, a Game Boy Advance. Oh, nice. nice. So um, I someone stole it from me. <laughs> I was Yeah, I was in Canada. So um, there was this once my dad went to Japan for, for a business trip. And he brought me the uh, the Game Boy Advance, and uh, I was in Canada, so someone stole it from me. So, yep, there goes my video game life. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a really cool picture of me camping. My family went camping every summer, 
And there's this really cool picture of me when I was like eight years old, mm-hmm. sitting on this rock in the middle of like the water, just playing my Game Boy. <laughs> well, you brought you brought a Game Boy in the nature. I did, yeah. Yeah. Well, growing up, I don't really have a lot of camping experience, but I do love the nature. It feels nice there. It gives you a sense of peacefulness. So I am definitely camping more uh, now that I'm in my twenties. Yeah, it's really awesome. I think nature is insanely important for everyone to have in their lives. Mm-hmm. Even if you live in the city, you should find a way to experience it. But mm-hmm. yeah, my childhood, I mean, I, I definitely studied. I definitely did my homework and got everything done. But I did a lot of playing and, you know, enjoying my life as well. Man, you had such a great life. Well, for the first 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's uh, that's the time we have. All right. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. All right. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. We're happy you enjoyed the show. We want to take our conversations around the world to reach more listeners. It would be totally awesome if you could like, share, and subscribe. Please turn on the notification bell so you won't miss a single episode. And definitely get in contact with us if you have anything you want us to talk about in the future. See you next time, and once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.